That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Work Party, the podcast that's part work, part party. Work Party celebrates a new generation of women and femmes who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. Joining me today is Creighton Cultivate's very own Dallas pop-up pitch competition winner, Paulina Lemenier. Paulina is the founder of New York-based organization, Black People Will Swim, a swimming instruction and advocacy group on a mission to change the narrative that Black folks don't swim. A history of systemic racism denied Black Americans access to public pools, Generations later, many fear the water because they were never taught how to swim. According to the USA Swimming Foundation, 64% of Black children have little or no swimming ability, and the drowning rate for Black folks is 1.5 times higher than white people. In 2019, Paulina started with the goal of teaching 30 people in her community how to swim. Now she has taught hundreds of students how to swim, but her work doesn't end in the pool. Today, Paulina is here to talk about the investment she made to launch the organization, the importance of a strong brand mission, her experience pitching to win grant money, and her plans to transform swimming into a more accessible and inclusive sport. Welcome, Paulina, to Work Party. We're so excited to have you. But first, let's dive in. Let's talk a little bit about swimming. When did this become so important to you? And why did you start Black People Will Swim? I started, okay, it became really important to me growing up. Like I grew up learning how to swim. I met some of my closest friends in swimming, but it really became important to me in college. I happened to just accidentally join my swim team. And from there, I, my coaches took me under their wing and really had me join their um, their swim club. And that's when I really saw the opportunities that swimming had to offer. I was at swim meets all the time. I saw I was able to, you know, work, become a lifeguard, become a water safety instructor. So I saw that there were a lot of career opportunities that swimming really had to offer. Amazing. And then what drove you to launch your business? 
what drove me to launch my business, I actually, it started off as like a campaign. I was like, you know what? I'm bored. I want to teach 30 people how to swim one summer. And so I put the campaign out on Twitter and the tweet went viral. And from that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm working a full-time job. It's going to be really hard for me to actually teach 30 people. I was, I asked my, I recruited my sister and my cousin to help me out with that <laughs> process. Love it. Okay. Turned it into a little family business. All right. And then from there, after we accomplished the goal of teaching 30 people, a lot of people were like, okay, like, are you going to do fall lessons? Like what's going to happen next? And I really saw the demand in people wanting more lessons because they realized that, it's not just like a me thing. You ever go through something and you're like, oh my gosh, I thought it was just only me who didn't know. Or I'm, I thought it was like a weird quirk. That's kind of what I've been noticing on our Twitter when we went, when we launched that campaign that a lot of people thought that as a black person, that them not knowing how to swim was a singular experience. And so when I brought it to the forefront, and they're like, oh my gosh, I never put two and two together. That is not just me. That's when they realize like, okay, I want to join this movement where I do feel seen, where I feel like my fears or this issue that I've, that I've never wanted to really learn how to swim. I want to accomplish it. I love that so much. And honestly, it reminds me of Create and Cultivate. I was like, maybe other women want to get together and talk about business. And it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of us. That's great. So you're doing this as like a side project. It becomes this kind of, you know, high demand situation. How do you then establish your mission, your offerings, like the foundation pillars, like all of those different things? Ooh, how much time do we have? Because that <laughs> was really tough establishing like our brand ethos, but then it just came to me naturally. For me, I'm a natural like writer. I graduated with a degree in journalism. So I'm naturally good at storytelling. And so I was really thinking about what is the story that I want Black people will swim to tell? What is the mission? And so we are on a mission <laughs> to empower and teach Black and Brown people how to learn how to swim, encouraging them to um, conquer their fears using the acronym FACE, which is having fun, building awareness, creating community all through education. Y'all, it's been a long day, but as listen, I got it. It's, it's like riding a bike again. It's, it is. It really is. I mean, you nailed that. And that's amazing. And I love, I, I mean, I live for an acronym. So incredible. I love that. So you build this offering, you have your mission statement. How do you figure out a price point like for this service? You know, it's something that you kind of just made up essentially. I wish I could see my face because I think the price point is the hardest part at aspect of our business because we are a for-profit business, but with a mission statement as unique as ours, mm -hmm. we were like, you should be a nonprofit or it should be a steal, right? So we have to understand what one, what can our audience afford and what are what are our competitors charging? And then two, figure out what are our overhead costs? Swimming is really, really expensive. There is no doubt about it. I just was sent an invoice for renting a pool and it came back for $10,000 yeah. for seven weeks. Woo. So that is to put into perspective, if it costs $10,000 for me to rent the pool for seven weeks, then I got to consider staff. Then I got to consider admin staff. I have to make yep. sure that we are meeting a quota and charging people at a reasonable rate that is not breaking bank, 
but also that I can support our team because swimming is also seasonal. So I have to make sure that we make back $30,000 to not only cover us for those two months that we're offering classes, but maybe carry us to the winter too. You're, you're playing a lot with the numbers. The rates that I was charging in 2019 are very different, but still manageable and right. affordable. All of us, though, I mean, it was a different time in 2019 and, and you know, inflation is real and we're all grappling with it. But I actually want to talk about 2020 because when COVID hit, all the public pools obviously shut down. But you kept the organization's mission alive through merch, like swim caps, apparels, love that pivot. How did this change your business and what was the challenge you had to deal with during that time? I think despite the hardships that COVID did have, like, really made people encounter, it really made us get creative and reminded us how can our uh, brand ethos still still accomplish that mission of encouraging people how to swim despite not actually being in the pool. So we're still going to encourage our community to face their fears because there's still different ways to do about to still go about it despite not being in the pool. Right. And so with us, it was more about cultivating a community, encouraging them. So still having fun online, still building awareness online, still building a community online and all through education. So there's a huge learning curve when it comes down to swimming. And so we wanted to make sure that we were at the forefront of that, despite not being in the pool, that online, you're going to hear about us. Hey, Eric Party listeners, we're taking a quick break here to talk about one of my favorite topics, skincare. If you tuned in last week, then you know I've been testing out products to recreate some of my favorite in-office skin treatments. My favorite nighttime product right now is Dermalogica's Daily Microfoliant, the brand's iconic and best-selling exfoliating powder. I love Dermalogica because it's a skincare brand trusted by professional skin therapists who have experienced touching, squeezing, buffing, and massaging millions of complexions looking to achieve healthy skin. Dermalogica doesn't just cover, blur, or minimize skin conditions. They treat it all. The formulas are also certified cruelty-free and follow a strict no list of ingredients, excluding artificial colors and fragrances, mineral oil, lanolin, and parabens. Here's how I use it. Before I get ready for bed, I grab some warm towels, play some chill music, and use my daily microfoliant. I dispense a tiny amount into my wet hands so it creates a creamy paste. I apply it to my face in circular motions, massaging gently for one minute. Then I rinse, pat dry, and head to bed. The daily microfoliant removes dulling surface debris from my skin, leaving it feeling even and bright. If you're not convinced yet, a bottle of daily microfoliant, the iconic exfoliating powder, is sold every 33 seconds. 33 seconds. That's millions of people getting professional skincare results at home. Dermalogica has outdone itself with this professional skincare brand trusted by skin therapists to help people everywhere achieve healthy skin. Use code PARTY to get a free travel size daily microfoliant when you spend $20 at www.dermalogica.com. That's code PARTY for a free travel size daily microfoliant when you spend $20 at www.dermalogica.com. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckle Foodie and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I am right there with you. That's what Freckled Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five, launching with Dear Media on November 9th, and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. 
So let's talk about raising and using funds, Ooh. right? So you 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 build this business out of kind of this like unique experience that has a ton of momentum behind it. And you actually pitched at the Create and Cultivate Dallas pitch competition, which is amazing. So have you ever done something like that before? Is pitching in front of a live audience something that you were prepared for? How did you sort of uh, get yourself into the process? Ooh, well, I was actually going through a little breakup at that time. And so I was like, heartbreak is one heck of a fuel. Okay. It's one heck of a gas. So I was like, I'm not coming back to New York empty handed. Okay. Like I'm not. And so, but aside from that, I've never really, I've pitched, I've pitched a lot and I've lost a lot and I take, I'm super competitive. So I take losses to heart. And so I've had to learn to not take it personal and just take the, take the meat and leave the bones, take the lessons and just move on. And so I've watched a lot of pitch competitions. I've lost, lost as well. And so I realized that I'm a natural storyteller. How can I make sure that I captivate the audience? And so I wanted to sort of reenact that moment of a parent witnessing their child, you know, drowning and, mm. and saving them. And I feel like that is what would have really caught the audience's attention yeah. because this is a situation that it was, it's actually a true story. This is not a story that I made up. I just used that. I changed the name out of respect yeah. for that family, but that was a scenario that did happen. And wow. so I wanted to make sure and build awareness that because this is a statistic and a situation that happens so often in my community. The fact that I didn't have to create a scenario, it makes it even heart heartbreaking. Yeah, it it's extremely compelling. Not only the statistics, what you've been able to do. And, you know, really pitching is storytelling. Mm-hmm. It is telling that story, um, you know, having that commonality with the audience and talking about the solution, right? right. Like, what is the solution, right? So you have, you're obviously providing that. So you won the pitch competition and you also gained 20 grand, $20 from the snack brand Quest. First of all, congratulations. But second of all, how did you go about deciding like, okay, I have this money now. What do I do with it? So I always have a plan for this grant. Like when I'm pitching, first of all, when you're pitching, you have to explain to them you have to lay it all out, lay it all out. It's one thing to say, Hey, give me some money, but you have to explain like, Hey, this is what I plan to do with this money. And that's actually what I ended up doing. So for us, it was pool rentals, starting merch and creating an instructor pipeline program. Literally that grant helped us uh, sustain our staff start merch. So we bought a ton of towels, bought a ton of t-shirts. And so it's really all about making sure that you have a plan for your money, because if you don't, that money goes fast and finances is something that we have to make sure that we have a handle on, especially as small black owned businesses, because we are not, we don't have access to capital as much. So I'm going to make sure I'm going to turn that dollar into a thousand dollars. And with that being said, I made sure that I have a system in place where I'm applying for grants. So I have a template. I write out all my responses. I hired a copywriter to review my responses to making sure like, hey, does this make sense? Where can I fix it? How can I fine tune it? And most importantly, having images. People want to see your program in action. People want to see your business in action, right? It's one thing to tell them, but to see it. And so that was what that was what that was our selling point that helped us win um, that quest grant. And we actually got another grant too that 
maybe by the time this interview come out, the announcement will be out as well. So yeah. Crushing it. I, I love that because I think so there's so much um, media and narrative around fundraising Mm -hmm. from venture capital, but these grants are incredible. They can change your business and they don't get added. No one gets added to your cap table. You still own your business, right? So you're able to get that grant money in a really significant way. I actually know someone, I actually judged a, a pitch competition for grant money. And this one girl was like, I've raised over a million dollars just on grants. And I'm like, yeah, that's incredible. So it is a path less taken, but if you get in the groove of it, like you clearly have and you invest in it, right? Like you got a copywriter, you were able to really do these things. I think that's really, really impressive because I think the stats say it all. According to the Harvest Business Review, actually black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in the United States. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Yet, when securing funding crucial to their business, Black women business owners receive less than 1% of total financing. It's atrocious. So what advice do you have for founders who are like, I want to get into this grant world. I want to, you know, get involved in these pitch competitions. What are some of your tips since you are clearly a winner? I mean, call me the grant queen. Okay, I need to go ahead and trademark (laughs) that. Like, call me the money, honey, something. Right, because, I, I mean, it's incredible that we've managed to raise over $200,000 just solely in grants. Like that's not even including our swim program. And so I tell people all the time, one, the money is out there. Two, you got to make sure your game plan is on point. So that also entails making sure that your business plan is on point as well. What are your expenses, your overhead costs? What is it going to cost to run the program? Think like, where is your money going to go? And then most importantly, your story. You got to have a story. People are buying into the vision. People are buying into you as the visionary. So you got to make sure that your vision is so clear that as soon as they give you that money, a lot of times too, they will follow up and ask, hey, how are you doing? Can you provide us a testimony? Can we see your program in action? Now, can you imagine if I won this whatever amount of money and then I don't have a swim program, they're going to call me a fraud. Okay, so it's really important that you not only receive, you know, you explain the plan, explain the mission, write it, write it out very well. And then most importantly, go on Google, you know, go on Google.com. There's a ton of women out there who are um, there's a grant. There's a young lady. She has a newsletter called Grants for Creators. There's mogulmillennial.com by Brittany Hunter. Like there are platforms out there that you can search for that. grants. And number two, uh, well, I don't, at this point, I don't know what number I'm at, but <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. Keep going. But the last point is making sure that you don't be afraid to put yourself out there. A lot of that times, these grants that will require you to put a video out explaining why should you win this grant? And how many, you'll go on my Instagram, it's filled with videos like that. And nine times out of 10, I don't win. But this last video I did, I secured a major grant, a $10,000 grant. So you can't be afraid. I love that advice so much. You really have to put yourself out there even if it feels uncomfortable, even if you don't win, mm-hmm. like that is the, that is the reality. Like when people go to your site, they're probably like, well, yeah, she's won $200,000, but you didn't always win. And that's important too, is like, you got to just get out there. Also, I love your point about having the plan because the reality is if you go out there and you win that money and you don't have a plan, it's not going to go the way you want it to. So having that plan in place, we call it a use of funds is so, so important. Yes. So what's on the horizon for yourself and black people will swim? Well, we are working on our, oh, should I say this? Our parent company. 
So that is our, okay. that is later on down the line. Yeah. We're going to work on our parent company. And I think it's, love it. it's a lot more inclusive, you know, black people Wilson is a love letter to black people. Right. But I feel like this is not a despair that only affects us. Right. So that's number one. And number two, What's most important is getting our swim program up and running. So we're working on launching our classes this summer, hiring people. And there has been a huge shortage in lifeguards and swim instructors as a result wow. of the pandemic. Even in New York City, we've had actually had to shut down a lot of pools and beaches because there has been a shortage. Wow. Yeah because there has been a shortage. So now organizations are looking to us to say, hey, y'all got the juice, right? So help us out. And so I'm like, okay, you want us to help you out. Give us a pool facility. Give us the space. I have the people. You have the space. Let's barter. And so this is where I'm learning how to use my my superpower, my... Yes, uh, my genius to I'm just using what what I know, my superpower, my strength as a businesswoman, and making sure that um, I'm connecting and, and making something accessible for everyone. I, I love it so much. And yes, bartering is 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 the best part of business, right? You get to do a little favor here, favor there. Mm-hmm. It's it's so so crucial. Okay, let's end with some sentence finishers. So my favorite way to rest and reset is washing my hair going to sleep Mm. with a tub of Ben and Jerry's. That's my plan for tonight. I love it. I love love it. (laughs) I mean, you need that. You deserve that. An athlete I admire is? Oh, Serena Williams. I mean, yeah. Greatest of all time. Hey, Serena. Um, My my favorite swimming stroke is? Ooh, I would say the butterfly, but I was (sighs) actually a long distance swimmer. So I was swimming 1850s, thousands. Wow. But favorite stroke is the butterfly. If you ever want to die laughing, see, watch me do the butterfly. I have no idea what I'm doing, girl. It's so embarrassing. I like, I remember I joined a swim team in like, I don't know, I think it was middle school. And my dad has this video that we watch to laugh at how crazy I look doing the butterfly. So I love it. Kudos to you. Kudos to you. Um, My favorite part about being a founder is saving lives and providing job opportunities like that. Absolutely. That fuels me, like being able to save a life and being able to hire someone who didn't have a job, hire someone who, you know, is looking to get certified, but can't because certifications are $500, which is crazy. You know, that, that makes me happy that creating that pipeline and making that change. So that's my favorite part. I love that. Well, you're doing incredible work. Um, We're so excited to have you as part of the Create and Cultivate family. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. So can you tell everyone where they can learn more about you and Black People Will Swim? You can learn more about us at blackpeoplewillswim.com. You can go on our Instagram. We're Black People Will Swim everywhere. And about me, I am at it's, I-T-S, Paulana, Paul, and Anna with one N. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.